Coming up, are you struggling to accept how annoying some people are? There's hope. Welcome everyone to At Home in Jerusalem, the podcast on Aish.com. I'm Heather Dean, and this is the place where each week a well-known Torah scholar drops by for a visit and shares important insights that will make home life better. And today I'm at Aisha Torah's headquarters in Jerusalem, Israel, with my guest, Rabbi David Aaron. Rabbi Aaron is the dean and founder of Israelite, an international organization and center for Jewish learning in Jerusalem's old city and also Yeshivat Oraita, which offers a one- to two-year program for high school graduates. To contact Rabbi Aaron or to purchase any of his eight books, you can visit RabbiDavidAaron.com, and that is spelled R-A-B-B-I-D-A-V-I-D-A-A-R-O-N.com. Welcome back, Rabbi David Aaron, to At Home in Jerusalem. Thank you. It's a very common circumstance that young people and really people of every age dream about the kind of person we'll ideally share our lives with. So when the day comes and we, please God, get married, it's inevitable that the day will come when we realize that the love of our life is not perfect. So you often say that, and I quote, true love is seeing people as they truly are and not what you dream them to be. So I'm just wondering if you could help us with the task of seeing people as they truly are and accepting this reality. Well, you know, it it goes back to what do you actually think true love is about in the first place. And my wife taught me that lesson. Uh, One night uh, we're sitting and having dinner and I said to her, Hannah, why do you love me? And she said, why do you assume that? And I said, well, okay, let's just assume that for the conversation. And, uh, And she said, well, I have no reason to love you. And I was really taken aback. And I said, what? You you have no reason to love me? Can't you find one reason to love me? She said, no. And I said, well, what about my sense of humor? She said, oh, that's the biggest reason not to love you. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, not only do I have no reason to love you, you wouldn't want me to have a reason to love you. And I said, no, I I think I would. She says, no, you wouldn't. Because if I had a reason to love you, it would be the reason I love and not you. And if that reason were no longer relevant, then what would happen to my love? I love you even when you give me good reasons not to. Mm-hmm. You see, mm-hmm. and sadly, I, I sometimes do. Okay. Sometimes, okay. <laughs> you know, and, I, and that's unconditional love. You know, to really love somebody is to love them for no reason. How do you get to that level of loving yeah. a person for no yes. reason? I think you have to start with yourself. You know, I think part of the problem that we're having in accepting our spouse is we haven't accepted ourselves. And we haven't learned to just accept that, hey, you know, we are imperfect. Yes, we do make mistakes. And, uh, okay, we don't want to, but we do. And as long as there's a goodwill to want to catch that and do something about it, then you're being human. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a person has to appreciate, that true love is to accept your spouse for who they are. Because you're not going to change them. You know, you can only change yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the more you try to change your spouse, the more conflict you're going to find yourself in. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean there's no hope? I mean, what if there is something about them that I'm really challenged by? Well, you know, you can share your needs, but never criticize. You know, criticizing just doesn't work. There's no such thing as constructive criticism. It's always destructive Hmm. because nobody likes to be criticized. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you have the right to share your needs and say, listen, this is my need. 
right? I'm not saying there's something wrong with you. It's just, this is my need. Can we figure out a way, you know, and I want to hear your needs. Mm -hmm. And when we talk from a place as, this is what I need in my relationship with you, and we figure out a way to kind of work on that, mm -hmm. then they don't take it as an offense and they don't take it as something that you're trying to hurt them mm -hmm. because they know that it's about our relationship. Right. So you're talking about also, if I have it right, nurturing each other's individuality because the goal is to become one even if we're not the same. Well, that's what's amazing about love. I mean, two very different people mm -hmm. can be one. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we're looking for. We're trying to find a sense of self that's beyond ourself. We're trying to experience a sense of shared self mm -hmm. without losing myself. It's an extraordinary thing. I mean, love makes no sense. It is literally an it just it is illogical that two different people can be one. And yet it's ecstasy that two different people can be one. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're looking for. So mm -hmm. if we're trying to minimize our differences, then we're not really aspiring to the highest form of oneness that includes differences. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. So these are excellent concepts. Let's now concretize some of this. So let's say that there is a big challenge going on and what are some of the steps that a person can really take? If they're, let's say a person's in a relationship where one's always late and the other's always on time, or maybe one's very talkative and lively and the other's very reserved. Like these, this is just two people's nature. So what can a person concretely do or the couple concretely do to get to that point of acceptance? Uh, I recommend that people take a reality check which is on a scale of one to 10, how much does it really, really bother you within mm -hmm. the context of your entire relationship? Mm -hmm. I think when people do that, 10 being like, oh, this is unbearable, one mm -hmm. being, you know, it's not so terrible. I think very often if a person is asked to put a number to it, they might find that it's not as bad as they're convincing themselves to be. Mm -hmm. When you have to like push comes to shove and you have to say, well, how annoying really is this? You know, I recommend this to people who are going on a diet, you know. And I say, you know, uh, ask yourself, all these foods that are fattening, how much do you really love them? Like on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you really love potato chips? And people say, well, actually 1. Okay, so you can get that one up. That's not, you know. Oh, but, you know, uh, Boston cream pie, that's a 10. Okay, so don't give that one up, you know. But it's amazing that there's things that you're getting upset about with your spouse. Mm -hmm. When you actually put it into a balance sheet, you realize you know what, I can let go of that. Mm -hmm. It's just like with your kids, you have to pick your battles all the more so with your spouse. Mm -hmm. You know, pick your battles and there's there, and but then there are certain things that, oh, there are 10. Okay, so right. we have to talk, mm -hmm. you know, and again, not from a place of criticism, but a place of these are my needs. Mm -hmm. I understand when you say you'll meet me at eight o'clock that it means for you 8.30. But for me, it means 8 o'clock. Is there a way we can figure out a way so that we can kind of work this out together? Mm -hmm. But it's always, it's not your problem. It's not our problem. It's our relationship. Right, right. And, and when we enter into a relationship that it's not me against you or you against me, it's about how we create a greater we then we talk and we talk mm -hmm. and we talk and we try to work it out and find mm -hmm. a way of a win-win. Yeah, I've uh, heard many people who counsel couples saying that their own marriage is the hardest thing they've ever worked on, harder than their colleagues or their children or any of the relationships that the their spouse. It's the hardest project, so to speak. It's the hardest thing they've done is the working on their marriage. Uh -huh. Yeah, but it's, it is the, I call it the labor of love mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because... 
I mean, that's what we're here to do. We're here, Ahavta Lorecha Kamocha, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. The only person that you could really, really, really accomplish that with would probably be your spouse or someone super close to you. Mm-hmm. Because the people that are closest to us are often the people that are most annoying. You know, you step on people's toes because you're close to them. You know, like I don't have much conflict with the postman. You know, I say hello, he says hello, he puts the mail in my box. But someone that you have to live with day in, day night, you know, I got the best, best um, advice. The morning after our wedding, my wife and I are like lovebirds floating down the street and a perfect stranger comes up to us and says, you know, uh, I'm sorry I wasn't at your wedding last night. We didn't know who he was, so we were happy he wasn't there. He says, but I'd like to give you a gift. Okay, sure, a gift, why not? He said a little piece of advice. Mm, talk is cheap, but okay, fine. And he says, don't ever go to bed on an argument. Commit right here now that you will never go to bed on an argument. Mm. You will work it out before anybody goes to sleep. Hmm. Oh, well, we thought, what a cynic. I mean, we'll never argue. Well, of course, that night we <laughs> argued. <laughs> and that has been the rule of our marriage for 36 years. Wow. That we do not go to bed. Nobody goes to sleep until we work out conflict. Because when you have a conflict and you just say, "Eh, we'll just forget about it, it starts to fester inside. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, sometimes we'd be up pretty late, you know. Mm. But when you say shalom bias, having peace is the key to everything. Mm. Our our own well-being, the well-being of our children, Mm -hmm. we absolutely must Take care of it as soon as possible and not let it grow. Okay. Final thought. You talked about the scale of 1 to 10. Okay, so what do we do in the case where, God forbid, but there is like a 10, something that is a, a non-starter, something is that is an issue or um, um, a compulsion or just some sort of thing where the spouse cannot accept the other. Now, as someone who counsels married couples, have you seen a marriage or marriages come back from the brink, even when it's at the level 10? I, I have seen it. Mm. Uh, it is difficult. Mm. I, I'm not gonna, not gonna say it's not. Okay. Uh, the people need therapy. There is something to be said for having a third person because very often we're hearing our own stuff. We're not hearing our spouse because we, we, they, they're, you know, it's like I once heard a, a beautiful example. It's like when you're sunburned. So even if somebody just brushes against you, yes. whoa, does that hurt? Yes. And they don't understand what they did because they just brushed against you. They mm-hmm. don't realize you're sunburned. And in a lot of ways, we're kind of soul burnt, you know, mm-hmm. in that, you know, our parents, our childhood. And there's certain things that we're really sensitive about. And we're not hearing our spouse. Our spouse is not trying to hurt us. Mm-hmm. They say things that we get reactive over because we are a little bit burnt from the past. And so when having you a third person help you hear each other and learn to speak each other's language and understand each other's sensitivities, mm-hmm. then the work can be done. And I think we can find love. Thank you, Rabbi David Aaron, for sharing with us the importance of acceptance within married life and really all of our relationships. Thank you. And there are many videos, articles, and audio classes about marriage and family on H.com. Check them out, and thanks for listening. Mm